the face of uncertainty, how can leaders be more resilient? I'm Chester Elton, and this is my dear friend and co-author, Adrian Kostick. Well, thanks, Jess. Yeah, leading through change requires genuine connection with stakeholders. And our guest today is going to give us some practical tips for leading when inevitable disruptions do come. We hope that the time you spend with us will help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. And with us is our new friend, Michelle Ray, who is a former business executive and now a professional speaker. She's the author of two books, Lead Yourself First, Indispensable Lessons in Business and Life, and Leading in Real Time, How to Drive Success in a Radically Changing World. Michelle lives in British Columbia, Canada, and is a self-described hockey fanatic, which makes us love you even <laughs> more, Michelle. Yes. So, yeah. Welcome to the podcast, and please tell us who's your favorite team. Oh, well, I've got to say the Vancouver Canucks. Excellent choice. <laughs> you know, I grew up in Vancouver. Oh, so, wow. uh, Yeah, so Canucks go uh, run deep in my family. So uh, thanks so much for that. Well, listen, let's let's get to it. Adrian, time is yours. Well, uh, Michelle, in, in your book, Leading with Real Time, you say leaders need to lead in the now. So we wanted to know what you mean by that. Well, I think that when we talk about the word now, we are, as we refer to it today, talking about real time, what is happening right now. So I think it's really important for leaders if they want their employees to, you know, they want to be seen by their employees as trustworthy and effective, then they've got to really be relevant and act like a leader in the now rather than being that boss who's fixated on how they used to do things before. Yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? Um, you talk about fear as an emotion that can undo a lot of good leaders. So how is fear playing out in today's workplaces and how can we manage that better as leaders? Well, I mean, I'm with you. Like I know you talk about this a lot in your book as well. And I think that it's understandable for so many people, especially in the last few years, that the possibility that they're going to lose their livelihood would... would uh, dominate their thoughts and uh, you know that's why they've kind of taken charge of their own destiny so you know whether somebody's fears are real or their anxieties are real or imagined I think a leader's role is to really be supportive and acknowledge all of those feelings and allowing people to express them openly before they start offering solutions I think we all know that you know, sometimes leaders try to control everything. So just acknowledge how people are feeling can already put them at ease when they know somebody's truly listening to them. Um, and I also think you ask what we can do about it. I think people really need that reassurance from their leaders. And that's when a leader's capacity to be relatable, authentic, to be an outstanding communicator is the key. And people just really need to know their teams need to know that their leaders have the ability to listen and really understand what they're dealing with, what they're going through. Well, you, you brought up some big issues there, though, of this idea of, you know, their livelihoods may may be impacted. That's that's a big, scary uh, mm. you know thing out there in the world. Uh, you, you know, you look at these tech companies over the last few weeks that have been laying off tens of thousands of people cumul cumulatively. 
And so, uh, you know, people are looking at that right now and going, okay, this is scary. So I, you know, are, are we really going to have this conversation? Because most leaders won't around layoffs. Layoffs means that we basically failed. We, we, we messed up in some way. So, so how do you have those kinds of really tough conversations and, and really get into what your people are feeling, you know, deep down? That, that's kind of, that's a tough thing to get into. Yeah. Well, I got to I got to tell you, I, I you just brought back a memory. Imagine <laughs> sitting in a boardroom. I know you've both done something like this with the key people at a very large um, consulting financial accounting practice and they're talking about this very thing. And I'm going back like 14 years ago that they and I remember one of the leaders said, "We can't afford to shrink ourselves to glory." Wow. I love that quote. And they were having a big debate about this. So you're absolutely right. Like, what are we going to do? Are we going to lay people off or are we going to, you know, bite the bullet and and realize that we can't afford to do that in the long run? I mean, today the circumstances are slightly different, but the issue is very real for a lot of people. And again, I think that when you have the relationship, you know, you do, I mean, part of having those difficult conversations comes with the territory. And the big buzzword that people are talking about today is humanizing the connection. So, you know, if, if you're asking, yes, you've got to be able to, to help to connect on that level. And you have to be real about it rather than dancing around it if it, if it really has to happen. What, what about yourself, Michelle? As a business owner yourself, how... How has anxiety impacted you then over the last few years? What, what, are you, what have you gone through personally that you can, you've learned from and you're helping your, your clients understand? Well, I'm really honest about this. The pandemic affected me in a huge way. I've found it incredibly difficult at this stage after you know 25 plus years in business and going through other difficult times like 9-11 and you know, 2009 and how bad things were, but this was on another another level because it literally shut everything down. Um, and I hadn't really experienced those kind of mental health issues myself. So, you know, I think that for me, uh, being worried about the future, you know, being riddled with self-doubt at various points, it really had a big impact on me. However, how I translate that now even looking back, and it's not all that far, it also helped me to reprioritize my life and to put my work into perspective. So that's something I can share with people that, you know, it gives you that opportunity to really look at things because, you you know, you can have more time to do that. And the other thing, which is something I share with my audiences, is think about what you have learned all the new skills that you've learned, the things that you never thought you could do. And I'll often take them along a little journey of thinking about all the things that you've done over the last couple of years that you weren't doing before. That might include, you know, cooking, knitting, I don't know, spending more time with your family. But on a skills level, I mean, I can say for me personally, spending this much time online, I'm really grateful because it's given me another dimension to my business. So having an appreciation for the adversity is is something that I think we can all, all learn from. And, and sharing your story as well. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm human like the rest of us. And uh, 
I think that makes people feel more at ease when they can relate to my my situation and put themselves in those shoes or have their own version of it. Yeah. You know, you you also talk about uh, stamping out generational labeling. You know, at the same time, it is true. We we characterize generations in terms of, you know, when were you born? You know, are yeah. you a baby boomer? Are you Gen X, Gen Z, and so on? Um, what do you think about the newest generation entering the workplace? What are you seeing there? I think it's absolutely fascinating. I think it's a very exciting time in business because you've got the most savvy generation of our time, educationally, socially, you know, their level of awareness off the charts now contributing to our businesses and as i mentioned before you know they're very bold in their in their approach to their career and their desire to take control of their own destiny so what i believe and what i think is a really good message for business and and for leaders is let's get real you you're really not going to necessarily have them for long so if you don't have them for a long time make it a good time make it a special time uh, because they've got a perspective on the world that we can all learn from and appreciate. So I, I also believe that we're in this work world now where leaders and managers, I, I was not like this when I was in my first job. They don't put their leaders on a pedestal and they're no longer um, revered or feared by the workforce the way they used to be. I don't know if that's been your experience, but you know they really are very expecting a lot of openness from, from their leaders and they want to connect with them. You know, that is such an interesting point about putting your leaders on a pedestal, because I remember coming to work, and you, you just, it was the, the default setting that mm. your leader must be great, and you wanted yeah. to be just like them, right? Because if they weren't great, how did they get to be a leader, <laughs> right? We just Absolutely. kind of bought in, and, and that was our job to work up there. And uh, I, I just want to say that um, I have always Always put Adrian Gostick mm-hmm. on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. As you should. Always. <laughs> I'm sure he does the same with you, Chester. Uh, no, no, he doesn't. But uh, that's, a, that's another story. Uh, uh, hey, um, I, I did a little Googling of you and your work, Michelle. So how do, how do people learn a little bit more about you and, and uh, who you are? Oh, thank you, Adrian. My website, uh, www.michelleray.com. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn. So that would be so wonderful. I'd really appreciate that. And and then if they're interested in my books, uh, Leading in Real Time is available to all your favorite online retailers and Lead Yourself First also. Awesome. Okay. Well, so let's talk about anxiety at a team level. So mm-hmm. you, you've given a couple of ideas. Okay, let's have some open, honest conversations. What else can leaders do to alleviate the anxiety of their people? Number one, we can't say it enough, is communicate, communicate, communicate. I think more than ever before, people want you to be available. So if you're invisible, it's obviously going to raise stress and anxiety. I mean, some of these people, of course, they're leading massive workforces, but I think somehow we have to do, they have to do a better job of of recognizing what people are needing and that anxiety level, how high it is. As I said before, humanizing the relationship and really showing you care in a genuine way is going to go a long way to making people feel less anxious. Get to know who they are. Um, And I guess I could add one other thing. I, I know that if you can show people how you've also had times in your own life where you've been anxious, 
then you're, you know, really on a more sort of level playing field with them. And then they go, ah, I don't feel alone now. My leader knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, which obviously leads us to the next question after you've dealt with your team. You know, um, how can leaders manage their anxiety? What are some practices you've seen that that help leaders? Because, you know, we, we often say, right, you have to put your mask on first before you can help the person next to you. So what best practices have you seen? Absolutely. And that old cliche, it's lonely at the top. I, right? I really think that, and I know you both do this extremely well, like having a confidant, you're, you're the confidant for those leaders and they just really want to be heard and they're feeling the pressure more than probably any other time. They've got to ride this wave of uncertainty. They want to stay ahead of the curve. So it's really hard as a leader to be able to do that on your own. So I think you can manage your anxiety by making sure that you're connecting with people who you can relate to, you feel comfortable with. Try you know, to realize you don't have to do it all by yourself and it's okay to ask for that help. And I, I just think take it one step at a time. Excellent. Mm. You know, before we start to wrap things up here a little bit, I, you know, in your bio, you're very careful to put that you're a rabbit hockey fan. <laughs> and so, I, I, and, and you know, sports analogies, I know, are always overused. But what life lessons and leadership lessons have you learned from hockey? I would oh be fascinated. <laughs> we don't have enough time, do we? Because I'm such a fanatic. Oh, Gosh, and, and you know, by the way, Michelle is a real fanatic because she didn't say ice hockey fan. Yeah, yeah. she ah, said hockey. Just say hockey. Right. Yeah, just say there's anybody. only one. There's yeah. only one, right? Yeah, exactly. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, when I started, and again, like this, totally off the cuff here because it's such a great, great unscripted question. When I started writing my book, uh, leading in real time, there was so much drama going on in the hockey world. You know, there were there were this huge uh, awareness about you know, the lack of diversity with players, um, people getting themselves into trouble on the air, you know, renowned announcers saying the wrong thing. Uh, So I think, you know, they actually reflect, sport often reflects what's going on in society. In hockey, I think they've been a step behind and then now they're realising that and trying to catch up. But the worst thing that they can do is just play lip service and it because then it really looks fake uh so i think that i've noticed that myself just because i'm aware of leadership and and also being a fan of the game so i think that's that's something i think a lot of these leaders really need media training the way that they uh answer questions i mean we've got a whole lot going on with my team at the moment we just lost our captain so you know i watched the general manager answer that question and and i think maybe he wasn't quite as prepared for it. So, you know, there are team issues happening in sport the way that there are team issues happening in business. And and again, I'd love to see more leaders really have that awareness. And, and you don't see that all the time with, with, with leaders in sport, but it is something that people are craving. You know, and I, I like what you're saying there is, and you're right, you know, as, as hockey fans ourselves, sometimes, unfortunately, the game can be a little bit behind the times uh, mm. versus ahead. And, and you look at other sports that have tried to take a more proactive and be on top of issues, whether, you know, I mean, with, with so much that is going on with 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 race issues, with 
with with ownership issues, with coaching issues, etc. And so I, I like what you're saying there. What, what's the relationship to our team? Is mm. are we being more sensitive, especially to those people who may feel like others uh, within our groups? And and so I think that's really powerful. Is that we need to be thinking a little bit more um, and seeing the trends. And are we are we? It's, it comes back to what you were talking about in the beginning. Are we in the now? Um, mm. Because whether you like it or not, uh, you need to be aware of, of where the world is, is taking us. Yeah. And, I, you know, I think also that whole the piece about the generational piece. Mm. I mean, you hear people ta- talking today that they that the players have the power. And I think that, you know, mm. this is what was it last year? I can't remember which renowned publication said this is the year of the employee. Mm-hmm. And yep. uh, and mental health, and I think again, it that is a reflection. And but not all the leaders in sport have caught up with that. Yeah, you know mm. we're always interested in in personal self care. Yes. So I we'd be really interested. What are some of your rituals? How do you take care of your <laughs> mental health? Would you like to share that with us? Oh sure. Um, if I don't get out of the house, it's not a good day. And I always get out of the house when I'm not traveling. Um, I go for walks every single day, rain, snow, no matter what. I love to get out in nature, just even being around the neighbourhood. I'm in a beautiful province, so getting out to the mountains. I need to remove myself from, from the four walls because, I mean, obviously, you know, when we couldn't get out, that was an acute period of, of anxiety that I felt. So I really appreciate being outside, going to the gym, going to nature, and uh, whenever I can going away short trips long trips um makes me feel so good oh that's <laughs> wonderful hey this has been a great conversation it's been great getting to know you um what one or two big takeaways now you've been studying leadership for for some time now what would you want our leaders to take away with today uh, really relating to leadership anxiety and and how we can better treat our people well i think if one thing i could say is just remember to be real and, you know, if, you're, if you can be real with your people, I think you're going to go far. And uh, you don't have to have all the answers today. I think that that is a really key point for, for leaders to understand that it's okay to be that way. People will connect with you on a deeper level if you can do that. And I think the other thing is to just recognize that we used to have a, a really long t- a long-term view to leadership. You know, we still plan and we still focus on strategy and, and everything else, but we really need to be leading in real time right now to be the most effective and be ready to adapt on the fly and uh, make the right moves right now as well. Excellent. Well, our guest today has been Michelle Ray. She is an author of two wonderful books that should be on your bookshelf. Lead Yourself First, Indispensable Lessons in Business and Life, and Leading in Real Time, How to Drive Success in a Radically Changing World. She's also a wonderful keynote speaker. Look her up on LinkedIn and her website. I'm sure you'll be delighted as to the messages she delivers at your conference. Michelle, really good fun. We love that you're a diehard uh, Vancouver Canucks <laughs> fan. And uh, coming to us from beautiful British Columbia, thanks so much for your time and your wisdom. Thank you both so much. 
So, Adrian, a fellow hockey fan, how great is that? And, uh, and, and great wisdom. I'm curious, what were some of your takeaways? Well, I think a few things that sort of jumped out to me that, that were really reinforced through chatting with, uh, with Michelle. One is to be available. I, I hear this so often is that, you know, and we found in all of our studies when we were writing all in that leaders come in they, at eight or nine o'clock, close the door. We don't see them again until five or six when they leave. Um, what we found, the highest engaged teams, they man- this manager spent about 75% of their time with their people. That's hard uh, for a lot of managers that are so sucked into, uh, into, into working you know, with peers, with bosses, with clients, etc. But you want an engaged team, you got to spend time with them. That's being in the now. Yeah, yeah. I, I really appreciate it when she said, look, it comes down to communication. You know, with all the uncertainty and all the changes, you've, you've got to make sure that you're communicating, if not over-communicating, to put people's minds at ease with, with all that's going on. And, you know, we keep thinking, oh, we, we're going to have this little period of niceness. And then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. the economy rears its head and <laughs> yeah. people are getting laid off, you know. So you never know. I appreciated her, her take on communication. Yeah. Another one was uh, sort of for a leader, a couple of things, you know, have a confidant, which is which is really important. Yes. You know, whether yeah. it's a mentor, whether it's a coach, um, you know, have somebody that you can unload to who's not going to be, you know, you know, take and use it against you, if you will. Uh, but also be real. You don't have to have all the answers. Uh, I think that idea of vulnerability is so important. Nobody expects, especially as she was saying, Gen Z, they don't expect their managers to have all the answers anymore. No. They no. expect them to, to, to be a partner with them and figure things out as they, as they move forward. Yeah, her, her take on generations, I thought was really interesting. You know, uh, bold, interesting, savvy, smart, they're not going to put you on a pedestal, <laughs> which mm-hmm. I think is a little uh, frightening for leaders. You know, yeah. you hire somebody, you want sort of that immediate yeah. respect that you need to prove yourself out. And, and that authenticity, that sharing your story, what did I learn? And I've been anxious before, too. It's okay. Uh, she also, in passing, said, you're not going to have them for very long. Yeah, yeah I thought that was so. Yeah. yeah. So make it, make it fun, make it great while they're there, knowing that they're probably not going to be there for very long. People change jobs a lot. Right? Yeah, you've, you've talked about this often, is, is that idea is that you have to welcome people back. So you have to send them away well, because sometimes they're going to be coming back to you. And yep. uh, that's a different world where in the past, where you used to expect people to stay with us two, three, five, ten, whatever years. Now they may stay six months, but they may come back in a year, and they may stay three years this next time. It, it's a different world, and we have to be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, those were those were my takeaways. Yeah. Any, any wrap up, any final thoughts, Adrian? No, I think that's it's just a really important reminder to to be real, to to lead in the now, um, to not get hung up on. No, this is the way we have always done it. Um, I remember when we started writing anxiety at work, uh, you know, I was I was speaking to a big defense contractor and um, they had some Q&A time at the end and and I started realizing every single question was about this younger generation. Why don't right. they get it? Why don't they get how things are done here? And it was interesting. After five of these questions, I just simply posed the question, is it possible that maybe we all need to start managing a little differently and be more in the now, as Michelle says? So, so I think that's my last takeaway is, is, yeah, they need to change a little bit too, but we need to change. We need to meet in the middle here. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I like, too, that she said, look, even through all those trials and all the upheaval, that she was grateful for the time, mm-hmm. that she had to explore new areas and recalibrate her life and reprioritize her life, which brings us, obviously, through all the wonderful people that we're grateful for, mm-hmm. aren't we, Adrian? Our, our wonderful producer, Brent Klein, who makes all these podcasts sound so wonderful, and Christy Lawrence, who helps us find amazing guests, and, of course, all of you who listen in and, and give us your time and and, and share it, hopefully, with, with others. We, we never take you for granted, and we're grateful for that. We are. If you like the podcast, please share it and download it. We also love you to visit thecultureworks.com. That's thecultureworks.com for some free resources. Of course, pick up a copy of Anxiety at Work, wherever great books are sold. And we love speaking to audiences around the world, virtually or in person, on the topics of culture, leadership, teamwork, resilience. So give us a call. We'd love to talk to you about your event. Yeah, and and pick up our books. You know, they're available to find bookstores everywhere. And, and buy, by the way, anybody can buy just one. Buy two. They make great gifts, mm-hmm. birthdays, anniversaries, bar mitzvahs. Well, listen, we're uh, grateful for your time, uh, for our guests, and for this chance we have to spend with you to talk about mental health. Adrian, it's always a delight to see you and our wonderful guests. And hey, I'll probably see you in about another week. What do you think? Should we do this again? (laughs) Let's do it again. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. Until next time, we wish you the best of mental health.